Hello everyone and welcome back to SciSection. I'm Halima, your journalist for this week, and today we are delighted to have Dr. Joshua Liu. Dr. Liu is a physician and the CEO of Seamless MD, a health tech company we will learn a lot more about today. He has received many honors, including Forbes 30 Under 30 in Science and Healthcare and Canada's Top 20 Under 20 Award. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Halima. I appreciate you having me. So since we'll be talking a lot about tech today, I want to ask, what is one app that you cannot live without? I, I have to say it's Twitter. It's one of the first apps I check in the morning and that I check before I go to bed. And it's you know my way of um, understanding news in the world. Mm -hmm. I think every physician out there uses Twitter and expresses their opinions on Twitter. What is one travel destination that you're most dreaming of in a post-COVID world? So, so it's funny. I'm actually not... Uh, craving travel in particular, but I, I'll say that, um, you know, just being able to do something as simple as catching up with friends or family that, you know, I would normally be seeing in person, you know, once every couple of weeks, now I'm not. So being able to connect back with those people again is what I'm looking forward to. Mm -hmm. Same as well. And in 2020, that was definitely a time for like Netflix and things. So what was one show that you binged? So this, I'm going to cheat and use, use something that's more recent that I've gotten into, but the the Mandalorian, one of those Star Wars ones, I, I really enjoyed, even though I'm not an, uh, a typical Star Wars fan. It's been a lot of fun. Ooh, yeah, I think I've, I've heard of that as well. So I guess now talking a little bit more about yourself, before you ventured into med school at U of T, did you expect yourself to go down this healthcare and business route? You know, I, I've always grown up enjoying building different things, whether it's been, you know, projects or school clubs or eventually some small businesses. So I always knew that I would probably start a healthcare business at some point, but I didn't think it would start so soon. And, and kind of what happened was um, I ended up going through this incubator program called The Next 36 during my last year of med school. And so, you know, that's where I started Seamless MD and ended up just being uh, the right time for me to just go ahead and, and um, go after that that opportunity. So didn't expect it, but kind of just went with it when it happened. Mm -hmm. So if you're kind of interested in business um, in general, why did you decide to pursue being a physician, whereas a different route that people traditionally are interested in business would go towards? Yeah, so, so I would say that, you know, I had an interest in healthcare for a long time, ever since I was uh, in high school. And, uh, you know, when I got into undergrad, I was still interested in healthcare, and I, I was still planning on, on doing medicine. And um, I, I just never thought I, I'd combine business with medicine that soon. And then uh, when I went into medical school, um, I ended up not actually falling in love right away with a certain specialty. Uh, but I had some really great mentors at uh, UHN who got me more interested in uh, broader challenges in the healthcare system around quality and patient safety and, and cost. Um, and in particular, um, my mentors got me really interested in this problem of um, preventing readmissions back to hospital. And it was kind of understanding that problem that eventually led to um, starting Seamless MD actually. Yeah, and Seamless MD was a company that you started, I think, in your last year of med school, as you mentioned, and now it's grown to become this massive company that's helped many, many hospitals across Canada and elsewhere as well. So were you inspired to start Seamless MD from your interactions with, I guess, physicians in the hospital system and the issues that they faced? Like, what, what was it that really got you to start it and go one step forward more than other people who may have seen the issue but not necessarily decided to do something about it? I, I think I was certainly inspired by my um, experience working on that readmissions problem with those those mentors at UHN. And then during my last year of med school, 
you know, I, I still had the itch to explore, you know, building something, whether it was a project or not initially a business. Um, but I ended up um, learning about that next 36 incubator and applying for it on a whim during my last year of med school, got in. And during that program, I met my um, um, two, you know, individuals, Willie and Phil, who ended up becoming my Seamless MD co-founders. And so they came from the engineering computer science world. I came from the medical world and we teamed up uh, to start Seamless. And, you know, our first day working together, we were asked to, within 24 hours, pitch a business idea. And, and no one necessarily expects that to be the idea you end up doing. Um, but I pitched the readmissions problem space to, to William Phil. We ended up pitching Seamless MD conceptually the next day as part of the incubator. And we just kind of stuck to that that same problem over the years. And uh, it's, it's, I mean, the, the idea has certainly evolved since then. And we do more than prevent readmissions. But um, a lot of what we envisioned ended up becoming true over the years. Well, that's actually quite amazing that you had this idea and it's grown, even though it's grown to beyond the initial thing, it's, it was something that you kind of started, um, I guess, on this like uh, convention thing that you guys attended. What is it that Seamless MD actually does for patients dealing with the readmission issue? Yeah, so just to give it more context, um, you know, when a patient goes through a healthcare journey, uh, whether it's a surgery or a chronic condition, we tend to give patients lots of paper and verbal instructions. And patients often will tell us that um, they um, can forget these instructions, lose them. There's no day-to-day reinforcement. These instructions aren't personalized. And so ultimately, it's hard for patients to be compliant with um, their instructions from their healthcare team. And then on the healthcare provider side, they will tell us that there's no easy way to monitor a patient and catch a problem earlier. And ultimately, if patients can't follow their instructions and your healthcare team doesn't know what's going on with you, particularly outside the, the hospital or clinic setting, which you know is 95% of the patient journeys at home by, by, by themselves, ultimately, um, this can lead to avoidable problems, You know whether that's higher recovery times, avoidable visits back to the ER or the hospital, and ultimately higher costs for the healthcare system. So the way Seamless MD works is we provide a platform um, on smartphones, tablets, and computers that hospitals use to better engage, monitor, and stay connected with patients throughout a healthcare journey, such as a surgery. And so what that means is, um, let's say a patient was going through a heart surgery they would be guided through all of their preparation and all of their recovery through Seamless MD on their phone, tablet, or computer. And they're guided with very interactive elements. So that would include reminders of what to do at the right time, interactive education, such as exercise rehab videos. But probably the most important thing we do is we empower patients to track their progress and track data. So patients are tracking um, pain scores, symptoms, photos of their surgical incision, And then back at the hospital, frontline staff, such as nurses, can get alerts and dashboards to monitor patients and catch problems earlier. And ultimately, that leads to, you know, better patient experience and better health outcomes. Yeah, and I think you speaking about how patients are able to kind of take control of their care, I think a lot of the times people may feel like the physicians are kind of this authoritative figure that are dealing with their health, whereas I feel like your um, company provides, I guess, patients with some of that autonomy. And speaking specifically of how like patients are able to kind of inform their physicians and their healthcare team from home, have you seen that being especially beneficial during COVID? 
Yeah, what's interesting is that, you know, when when the pandemic first hit in North America, and you know, let's say around March in 2020, um, I think we were initially naive in thinking that um, all of a sudden, um, you know, organizations would want to adopt seamless MD to, to monitor patients at home and deliver, uh, you know, digital care at home. What happened first was that um, hospitals kind of adopted the low hanging technology fruit, which was, you know, telemedicine video visits, which have been around much longer than digital platforms like SeamlessMD, but had kind of limited uptake. And so when COVID hit, that's where they spent most of their time driving adoption of technology, getting more video visits in place. And then I would say in late summer, early fall 2020, that's when organizations started saying, hey, we figured out a telemedicine thing and the world is not going to go back to the way it was before. So what's the next step in our digital strategy? And that ended up being, you know, digital patient engagement and monitoring platforms like SeamlessMD. And so actually, I would say since late summer, early fall, that's when we started seeing a, a rapid adoption of seamless um, beyond what we were um, expecting initially going to 2020. And so I, I think in many ways, digital patient engagement has been brought, you know, 10 years forward because of COVID. Um, and so as terrible as the pandemic has been, you know, we try to be optimistic. So one of the silver linings is that actually healthcare is going digital faster. And I think ultimately that's going to be better for patients um, in the long term. Definitely. I think a lot of industries are becoming increasingly technological and it kind of seems like medicine definitely has new innovations and new things like that. But in comparison to, I guess, other industries, it does kind of seem to be lagging behind. So I think companies like yours are helping to, I guess, revolutionize the space. And as any startup, you know, you and your founders must have encountered a variety of barriers. So if you could talk to us a little bit about what that was like and how your team was able to overcome it and help build this really, really successful company. Yeah, so the truth is that uh, there are always barriers. Um, it, it actually never gets easier building the business. The, the only difference is that the barrier, the challenge changes over time. And so every time you learn how to overcome that first barrier, if you're lucky enough to survive to the next stage, you have to learn how to solve and overcome a new barrier. But I also view that as kind of a, a great opportunity to, to keep learning and keep improving as a, as, a, as a person. So for example, early on, our initial barriers were, how do we actually convince our, our first hospital to work with us, even though we have nothing, no proof points, no product. And then once we actually get a product in place, besides the fact that it looks and feels nice, how do we actually uh, you know, generate an improved outcome such as you know, preventing a readmission? And then once we got the product working and, and effective and validated in studies, the next barrier was, well, how do we actually integrate with an electronic health record? And then at some point we did that and so forth and so forth. So, um, you know, the, the barriers never really go away, um, but really it's about persistence and, and discipline and, um, you know, frankly, um, being excited about the fact that we had the opportunity to keep learning and overcoming new barriers and, and growing, you know, as people, as much as we, we grow as a business. Yeah, and I think definitely you as a physician, a lot of your colleagues from medical school, they must have went on to do, you know, the traditional, I think, route that people who graduate from medicine tend to go towards. So what was it for, for you kind of deciding to take this leap and take on this ambition that you were definitely very passionate about, but it was also very like uncommon, um, maybe even seeing your colleagues go and do something that is tends to be, I guess, more stable long term, whereas with a business um, even if the idea is obviously very, very amazing, I guess just be a little bit unstable and very unsure in terms of the future. What was that like for you? I think for me, ultimately, it came down to um, where would I be able to see and have the biggest impact on healthcare, um, and also where I'd kind of be the most excited personally. And so actually, when I graduated medical school, um, my residency program that I had gone into it was very supportive. You know, they said, Josh, um, we'll support whatever you want to do if you want to do 
50% seamless ND, 50% residency, 90%, 10%, whatever that is will support you. And ultimately I decided that um, I couldn't do two things well and I could only do one thing really, really well. I decided either I was gonna do residency full-time or seamless MD full-time. Ultimately, I chose Seamless MD and a big reason was impact. So, you know, one of the exciting things about building a, you know, a business and an organization is that if we're successful, you know, I, I through a team can impact, you know, not just, you know, hundreds of patients a year as a clinician, but, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands or millions of patients over time by, by kind of, you know, going almost like outside the healthcare system, but in partnership with it as a business. And so for me, the opportunity to have, you know, in some ways more impact um, through the business is what got me most excited about going this route. Mm -hmm. I think definitely perspective is really important because it's very true. I think a single doctor can only impact so many patients, but when it comes to something like technology, it's kind of like expansive and infinite in how it can impact people. And now I guess pertaining more towards the type of issues that your company, I guess, tackle, how can healthcare startups like yours help alleviate patient accessibility, especially pertaining to patient non-compliance, especially for those people who may come from different cultures or um, have language barriers when encountering a Western medical system? You know, one of the things that I've really learned about uh, in, in working on Seamless MD is that you have to reach patients where they are. Um, so I can tell you, you know, over the years, um, you know, we've realized that if a patient can't access the platform, they can't engage. And if they can't engage, you can't drive a, a better health outcome for, for a patient. And so we've in, invested a lot over the years to um, achieve better and better accessibility in many different ways. So um, just some common ones we've, we've, we've uncovered. So one is being on many different platforms. So being available not only on your phone or your tablet, but also through the web browser as well. I can tell you when we first started the company, we would sit down next to patients who were elderly and watch how they would interact with the platform. And early on, we noticed that there were a lot of elderly patients who had iPads, for example, but when you look closer, you realize that a lot of these folks uh, didn't even know their Apple App Store password. So even though they had an iPad and could use it, they couldn't download a lot of apps, but they loved the browser version of Seamless. They loved getting the email reminders. And so we, we've learned that we have to be multi-channel to reach patients you know, where they expect to be reached. We've also invested heavily in um, meeting accessibility guidelines for, for digital platforms. So there's a, a whole host of international guidelines called um, WCAG. And so we meet guidelines around the platform being colorblind tested, contrast tested. The platform is designed at a grade six reading level. So it meets health literacy guidelines. And then to your point earlier, um, you know, we've also realized that we have to support different languages. And so, you know, we have partners now in terms of hospitals who are using seamless in, you know, many languages beyond English. So English, French, um, you know, Chinese, Punjabi, a, a number of other languages. So, um, so going back to your point, we, we've certainly learned to, to invest in accessibility so that way we can kind of reach every patient. That's awesome. Um, you've actually given a, quite a couple of TED Talks in your, um, I guess, career, which I definitely, re definitely recommend everybody who's listening to check out. Um, you mentioned the evolution of healthcare from caring for sick patients, which was basically the focus of hospitals for a long time, to actually preventing people from getting sick in general due to like health policy and changes in Canada and US. So how do you kind of see healthcare evolving with technology, not only with your own company, but in general in the, I guess, grand scheme of things? Yeah, it's funny. So whenever I talk to folks, particularly in government, and they ask me, well, Josh, how can we get, um, you know, faster adoption of new healthcare technology and innovation? And what, what I tell them always is, um, 
healthcare will move based on how the incentives work and you know further adoption of innovation will continue to be you know relatively slow um, unless we change the reimbursement models so, and you know, as your listeners might be aware reimbursement for healthcare in canada is primarily fee for service meaning that um, doctors and hospitals get paid for every test done every surgery done every patient seen um, but not based on how well patients do with their care or, or how healthy they are. And so if you want to get better adoption of good technology that helps improve care, you have to frankly reimburse physicians, providers, health systems based on getting a better outcome or, or what we call value-based care funding. And so I'll give you a good example of that. You know, before COVID, physicians wouldn't talk to patients on the telephone. And it's not because they don't know how to use telephones. It's because the way billing codes were set up let's say in Ontario, is that physicians couldn't actually bill for talking to a patient on a telephone for the most part. So when COVID hit and the government said, hey, we need to do more virtual care. And by the way, virtual care doesn't just mean video visits. It means telephone as well, apparently. Um, they had to come up with new billing codes. And then all of a sudden, providers would and physicians would actually talk to patients on the phone and not require you to go in physically to a clinic just to get you know a five-minute visit that could be done over the phone. And so the point I'm trying to make is that there's lots of new technologies that I'm sure will evolve and that will make healthcare better, that will make patient care better. Um, but if we keep relying on kind of very archaic fee-for-service models um, in healthcare, it's going to keep slowing down adoption of technologies that could be helpful. And I think if we move towards more value-based care funding, you know, pay for performance funding and less fee-for-service, Physicians are going to, and hospitals are going to just naturally adopt better technologies to improve care because no longer will um, archaic funding models be a barrier, and so everyone will be will be better aligned that way. And so my my opinion really is, if you if you improve the reimbursement model, the right technologies will be adopted faster um, that will help patients better. Mm -hmm. So I guess I see what you're kind of saying is by incentivizing doctors to better care for their patients and I guess remove, um, um, prevent bad outcomes in general rather than treating sick um, and just I guess preventing people from getting sick that way healthcare can improve and then and alongside that technology can evolve and become more immersed in medicine as well. So do you think that technology can ultimately like replace physicians or do you think that role will forever I guess remain but working alongside technology medicine can improve what, what do you think of that? Yeah, you know, it's one of those topics where, you know, people then get into the topic of AI machine learning and how that will impact healthcare, will that replace physicians? You know, I, I think anything um, that can be automated eventually will be. So, you know, very basic automation that we've seen is electronic reminders have replaced telephone call reminders. Um, more recently, and, and this is still very, very um, early stages, but you know, machine learning and AI is starting to, you know, read imaging scans, not too, not too poorly, not well enough to replace physicians just yet. But I think that's in many ways inevitable to a certain extent. Um, now, I don't think technology will ever replace doctors and nurses and other providers. And I don't think it's ever going to replace the provider-patient relationship completely. But I do think technology will continue to allow providers to operate at you know, at the peak of their skill set, right? So I think technology will keep allowing, you know, less trained or less skilled providers to do things that traditionally required more of an expert to do. So in the same way that, you know, in the past, um, you know, maybe only trained specialists could operate ultrasounds, well, now you have, you know, bedside ultrasounds that can be, you know, utilized and read by, by family physicians. That wasn't the case many decades ago. And I think, I don't think it's crazy that in the future, a lot of imaging ECGs can be read by by non-specialists because of very, very good you know, machine learning being used. 
but there will still be many, many complex cases or relationship-based things that a physician or a provider will always have to do. Um, and I think it's important that we realize that in the same way that years ago, we didn't have washing machines and humans washed everything. And we were worried that, you know, we, we lose out on, on jobs if we got washing machines. Well, no, humans just moved on to more complex tasks. I think the same thing will happen in medicine. And it's about leveraging technology sensibly, but by being open-minded to the fact that if we can actually automate a lot of things intelligently and let our providers operate at, you know, the peak of their care, that's ultimately going to be better for, for patients as well. And on that note, thank you so much, Dr. Lu, for joining us today and having this really awesome and enlightening conversation on healthcare and technology and obviously your company, Seamless MD. For all those listening, if you want to learn more about Dr. Joshua Lu, then check out his website, joshualu.ca. Um, and be sure to check out his TED Talks as well. They were awesome. I had a great time listening to them. Thank you so much for joining us.